which seems pretty obvious. The answer to that should be yes, right? <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, it's a weird world. What were you going to pivot to? Yeah, no, um, I was going to pivot to, okay, so like tons of layoffs happening, right? Yeah, man. Stripe, 14%. <laughs> yeah. And so lift 13%. Yeah, we all we all knew the Twitter thing was coming, right? But that's still it's still unfortunate for everybody who's taking a who's unexpectedly out of a job, right? Uh so and I was thinking to myself, you can never know if it's coming. Mm-hmm. Right? Like everything can look super secure, and then all of a sudden, bang, it's here's your email, your access is no longer there. Uh so I think about that. I'm like, man, it's kind of real, it's it's real incentive to take matters into your own hands right to to say i don't like being at the mercy of a company (laughs) you know on because of the way that their financials are going like it's almost like you have poly work and stuff but it's almost even as much as it's a uh, take matters into your own hands it's also there's something appealing about like you know when you do investing they always the the trick that they always say is like don't put all your chicken or all your eggs in one basket right like diversify your portfolio and diversify your income and like the way the market is going is that like and this has been true i think for years and years for many sectors of the economy it's why gig work is so popular is that people can diversify their income and they can get some amount of their income from this gig and some amount of their like i can be an uber driver and a a barista and a substitute teacher and none of those is consistent income all on its own but they kind of cover it. And if one's not working out, I can flex into the other space to, to make it work. Right. And um, I think that like one of the things that you think about when you see what the, the way the market's going right now is that if it doesn't appeal to you, a person, an engineer to, to kind of go their own way and to take control fully, it definitely reinforces the idea of diversifying your income portfolio and le- like leveraging poly work and um you know poly employment and over like i don't i'm like maybe one of the few engineers that doesn't love the overemployment movement <laughs> like uh but i think that poly employment tends to make sense um if if you can do it and and that might mean you know taking like independent contracting or working with agency and trying to run your own app, which is exactly sort of the model behind Envil, but basically diversifying your sources of income so that you're a little bit more resilient to market um, market market factors. And unless you're in a, you know, like it's so funny when you hear about like recession resistance, right? And we both worked at USA and, you know, they were, constantly talking about recession resistance and uh the the market sector you know not it being like general the general market right of financials being like resistant to market um fluctuations but then we know that they just had a huge round of layoffs too um yeah and so like it's like what what really is a recession resistant market uh unless it's you know um capital and funds transfer like that's it (laughs) because because that is the market but otherwise like yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of interest and i think in a lot of appeal and there should be some at least reflection on how do we uh you know like it not not we me and you only but like we as as a people make ourselves resilient in um in times like the um, there's it's we see a lot of 
tech sector jobs going away. I mean, we left stored. We know stored had layoffs. Uh, we right after we left and know, know some good people entering the market there. Um, I mean, and just as the the market forces, quote unquote, market forces has changed have changed. Uh, like people are people are losing jobs that were hired on growth predictors as opposed to growth realities, which I think I think there is something really key there to take away as how to run a business. Um, but that's maybe a conversation right. for another day. But the, what what I do know is that good people that had a job no longer have a job because their their employer wasn't as resilient as they promoted themselves to be. And I think that should promote a healthy level of um, skepticism when when we're told that like, you know, we're in growth mode, we're resilient to change. And it, and it also really challenges like when I read like startups and like we're in hyper growth mode. Because yep. the way that I read that is we're outspending our income. Um, yeah, we're basically just running on, on uh, venture capital money. Right. And if that venture capital money goes away, all the things that it was funding have to go away as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also think about the idea of like investing in yourself, you know, and to me, that means lots of things. But one is, you know, so you can say, well, am I going to invest in, you know, this company or in this stock or am I going to invest in myself? And I'm a huge believer, like investing in yourself um, can pay, you know, dividends over over those other things. Like, obviously if you would have invested like in Netflix, you know, 10 years ago, you'd be in a good spot right now, but well, maybe if you, maybe if you didn't, if you didn't sell, yeah. uh, when, if, if when you they didn't were sell, up. right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so I think about, you know, all the, the layoffs we're hearing. I just, again, we were just talking about this a minute ago, reading about the next round of layoffs. Like these are thousands of people, thousands of jobs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, absolutely. You have to be skeptical going into the next job. So like asking some questions, you know, um, are you profitable? It sounds, it sounds, you know, it's different. So I'll, I don't know if this goes into the conversation for today or not, but I started asking questions related to that when I started doing interviews, like in the last year, I started asking more business minded questions. Are you profitable? Why are you hiring? What is the expected growth? How much are you trying to grow the headcount in the next you know, year or the next couple quarters? I started to ask questions more that that helped me to gain an understanding of where they were as a business, as opposed to, oh, what does this team do that I'm about to join? Because in this market, in this uh, uh, you know, like ecosystem, you have to think about those things. It, uh, if you if you're okay with going to a company for like three months and and you're ready to move on to the next thing, then then who cares? But if you're looking for something pretty stable, you have to ask the, those questions today. You have to do your research. You have to look at their, you know, if a company's publicly traded, right, then they're accountable to their shareholders. So you have to look at those things. You have to look at um, how they're spending their money. You know, even though it's not directly your money, you, it's, you, you know, you're a part of this organization or you're going to be. And so you have to care about how yeah. they're spending their money. Yeah, no, I mean, I super agree with that. And I'll, I'll just transparently say that, um, you know, income models is is a part of the conversations that I have when I'm when I'm interviewing. I, I want to understand like usually the way I ask it is what's driving growth. Um, is it is it capital influx or is it profits? Like, do we do you see a path to profitability? 
uh, and, and like, so I, I like to ask what's driving the growth for your company right now? Um, really, to me, that's an important question. And then you you mentioned something earlier, like that I think is just, it resonates with me a great deal. And we don't really talk about this and maybe it's too hokey, but like every year sort of, I, I pick an annual theme. Um, like what is my theme for the year? What is the way that I'm going to think about? And this year, my theme was investing in myself. Um, and so I thought it was really interesting that you said that because like, that was, that's literally it. It's like, and, and some of it's like little stuff like investing in my health and, and making like being willing to make purchases that like are investing in, in me. Um, and, and so like, I think that is really important when you, when you think about, especially your time, like, where do you invest your time? Um, I was reading last night and the, the, uh, you know, the, the disparity is pretty dramatic. You have threads on CS career questions and some of them are talking about like, I've just been laid off. And, and I have some friends that are directly impacted by some of the recent layoffs at like Prisma um, and uh, which, which stinks, you know, and, and even at UI dev, the, I don't know if you're, you're aware, but UI.dev went through a layoff period earlier this summer. And, yeah. I, uh, I haven't read about it yet. Some of our friends were uh, some, some of our mutual friends were, were impacted by that. But um Anyways, uh, like when I think about that and like you think about like, how am I investing my time? So like there's these, these conversations on on Reddit about like, what do I do? How do I do the job search and stuff? And then you have this other thread where somebody's like, hey, like I just got a job offer, but I also have this opportunity to go and like tour Southeast Asia for a year. What should I do? And like in the light of layoffs, you feel like the right answer should be take the job because jobs are like sparse. And, and but everybody was like, take the tour. Yeah. Like you won't, you won't, that opportunity won't be there again. Like the jobs will still be there when you get back. Like, even though it feels like this is a scary moment, like the jobs will still be there when you get back, go take the tour. And I think that's, that's relevant. Invest, invest in ourselves and uh, take the time. Like the, the Stripe package is really pretty strong. The folks that are getting laid off there basically have insurance and income through February. I hope most of them just spend the holidays with their family to be honest with right. you like that's and don't and and that they don't feel the need to immediately jump back into the job search yeah yeah because yeah. the job search is a full-time thing too i mean it takes lots of effort you're having to like relearn stuff that yeah. you haven't learned and, and you know simply because some of these companies that you go to are going to ask these you know uh cs type of questions that you haven't looked at in forever and sometimes they're not even relevant to the job to be honest with you but but that's a whole effort, like a, a whole full-time job just looking for a job. So yeah, I agree. If you know if somebody's gotten laid off and they've got a decent package, to not feel the stress, you know, hopefully to jump right back into the next thing to join the job search. Um in reality, there's gonna be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of folks all in the job search at the same time, along with the other people that were already looking. Well, this ties directly back to the conversation we had last week, um, because like last week we talked about the inversion of the talent pyramid, right? where there's a whole bunch of people at the entry level that are trying to get into the industry, but all of the jobs are at the senior level. And what ends up happening with you know the layoffs is that now you have this huge influx into the talent pool of really, really technically qualified people. And so that's that becomes very challenging because now, of course, this is going to uh, deflate offers, which who cares? So like, really? I mean, it's, it's bad, but like, I mean, engineers are, are paid probably like 
I mean, they they get paid well. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes more. Like, so, so sometimes more than we should. Right. Exactly. That's trying to, what I'm trying to like couch. Like, I don't want to offend anybody, but like, hey, like people, there are people that are doing, you know, that are saving babies that uh, make much less than an engineer. True. And so, like, I'm not super worried about like offers going down, but it does mean that it's very, it's going to be much harder for that entry level engineer to get into the uh, to the to the market. Unless companies are making intention, being intentional about hiring to grow engineers, because now there's so many other like there's really qualified engineers that you can pick from because they've been laid off from companies like Stripe and Lyft and elsewhere, you know, and so it, it makes it easy to say, well, instead of um, hiring, uh, you know, this this fresh out of college, and that's a lot of what the conversation on CS career questions is, too, is like, how is it going to be hard for me to get a job? I graduate in December and now there's all these layoffs and everybody else is going to be competing for that job. Here's the advice that I'd give you to the folks that are, you know, still in college, they're about to graduate. Now they're going to join that workforce as well. And then all the people that are still in that bottom of the pyramid that are like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking. And I'll talk to folks um, that I meet, you know, online and, and they're asking questions. And the, the one piece of advice I'd give anybody is, Go build something real because, because you know, we, we want to join a company so that way that company can pay us, right? And it helps to like, it almost helps to like validate our ability. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, maybe I'm only saying this because, you know, uh, I've been writing software for, for a while, same for you, you longer than me, but you get to a point where it's like, I don't need a company to validate my skills. And, and I, and I want to even say that for like entry-level folks. Yes, you're going to learn from more experienced engineers. Yes, you're going to learn from structure. Absolutely 100%. But if you can't get in the door, then don't waste your time. And and I say that lightly uh, uh, or hesitantly. Go build something, right? Go build the thing that solves your problem. And, you know, worst case scenario, uh, it turns into a company, right? Yeah. Even if there's, you know, zero, one users, right? And you scale it over time or worst case scenario, uh, nobody uses the thing, but you now you have this experience that you can put on your, your resume. But ultimately that's what I would do. If I was well, this- in one of these person's shoes, is I'd go build the thing that solves my problem, turn it into a business and, you know, ultimately try to basically validate my own skills in my own way. Well, and this goes all the way back to, you know, something we talked about. This is the felt startups, build felt startups, not projects, right? Like, because and and it leans into that whole idea of like diversifying your income portfolio, because there's nothing that stops you. You build this thing while you're job hunting and maybe you get 10 users or whatever, and they're paying users and you can maintain it. And that doesn't stop you from getting a job, but it also doesn't stop you from like, building it even more. I mean, and I'll just tell the story of to-do app or um, everyday app, which you know, I'm I'm a friend of the founder of everyday app. And um, we, we started at the same time. It's so funny. Everyday app was built at the same time that I started building Propeller. Um, and so this is really one of those ones that got away kind of stories, right? Because like, it's a great story of what Propeller could have been if I had not built it as a personal project but it really focused on building this business because Everyday App built it literally right alongside Propeller. We both had slightly different versions of 
uh, personal like task management. And we built these two apps and we talked together a lot about them because they're very similar and really transparently, just full candor. I have a, I have an account on everyday app. So like, uh, I like this app that he's built. Um, and, and he's a friend of mine, uh, really smart guy. Um, anyways, he built it and it was a side project, but he was, he was hustling it, you know, and now pays all his bills. That's it. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a habit tracking app. And I don't say that to diminuate it, to diminish it, but to say that like small ideas are worth lots. Small ideas are worth, well, the, the execution on small yep. ideas are worth lots. And so like, yeah, that's just imagine, it right there. Yeah. The execution on small ideas, because the idea itself is worth nothing. Like I have, you know, a billion ideas floating around in my head. They're not worth anything, but the execution on them is worth a ton. And like, and, and this everyday app is a great example of that. This is a guy that, you know, he worked, he worked some tech jobs. He wanted to break into the tech industry. I think is actually the story. I'm trying to remember back to when we first started this. I don't remember if he had an experience, uh, background attack or if he was just getting started. But anyways, this was just a side thing for him. And now, now it's a full-time thing because it, it does the job. And um, I really want to capture that uh, for a second. I know this is not the topic we wanted to talk about today, but it, it yeah. seems relevant, right? For the time, for what's going yeah. on is, is exactly that. Again, you know, you're either in a laid off position or you're trying to get in. Build that thing, build it not as a startup, but as a, I mean, build it not as a side project, not as a demo app to put on your portfolio, but build it as a failed startup, execute well, but build really small. So I was talking to, I was talking to this guy the other day who just, just periodically pinged me and he showed me some stuff and I said, you know, I'm looking at this and I said, it's too big for MVP. It's too big. It's trying to do too many things. Right. And so he's walking me through the app and I said, okay, this is cool. This is a potential feature, you know, going forward. I said, but, you know, we're talking about this, but it didn't do the core thing really well. The execution on the core problem that it was solving wasn't that great. And so I said, you know, what you want to do is you want to, you want to, you know, scale this back and you want to release an MVP that is the slimmest, you know, slimmest piece of value that you can provide and execute on it really well. And that's the key. You know, you talked about uh, everyday app. It's a, it's a, I absolutely agree that it doesn't matter if it's a habit tracker, it solves a problem. And if he executes really well on it, then that's mm -hmm. all that matters, right? right? It's no different than like track my weight. I'm trying to lose weight. And all I do is every single day I put in my weight. I don't care if that's all it does, but it does it amazingly well. Right. People are going to, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to want to pay for it, right? They see the value in it. And so they're going to exchange money for it. Yeah. I mean, I think about this a lot. You mentioned like too big for MVP. I will occasionally um, interact with people going down the path of indie game dev and they'll pitch me. their like really big indie game. And I'm like, that's way too big. You need one mechanic. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of like the 30 second game loop, but basically most video games boil down to a 30 second interaction that you do over and over and over again, you know? And so like, usually that's like one or two mechanics. 30 seconds isn't a lot of time. And so like you, and so when I talk about like, you know, and we, I'm gonna like, I'm just gonna throw something out there. You know, we talk about minute games. But like really the 30 second game loop is, is kind of driving to that. What's the one thing that you do over and over? And then maybe in a minute you do it twice. 
And that's like, that's the game. That's the essence of the game. And so when I'm talking about indie devs and they're like, well, I wanted to be able to do this and this mechanic. And I'm like, start with rock, paper, scissors, one mechanic, one loop. And then that's, that's your game. Boil it down, boil it down as small as possible. We talk a lot about building small. And so like, that's definitely, um, a real focus if you're if you are one of these people going to like build your first startup like build super small yeah agreed build super small execute well provide value yeah and then and then get a job or don't get a job all right well this was uh not at all what we plan to talk about but it was yeah. fun and 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 something that we could honestly talk about for hours but Anybody that's been listening to the podcast for a little while knows that, that much of this is riffs on stuff that we've said before, but just really germane to the times that we're in. 